That was awesome. All right, listen. Shoo, um, I'm ready now. <laughs> I already got my Holy Ghost sweat going. So if y'all ain't ready, get ready. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. Here we go. Here we go. Shoo. I'm telling y'all, it's go time. Listen, have y'all heard... Uh, have y'all heard people that say, like, at the end of your life, there's a light at the end of the tunnel? Talk to me if you've heard that before. I'm looking for the light. Like, you'll, I've walked in uh, to people's hospital rooms and stuff before, and you know that there's kind of ending their, their life, and, and you often wonder what to say. I know I'm supposed to have the answers, but I don't in that situation, I promise you. And, and I've had people look at me and say, Pastor, should I look for the light at the end of the tunnel? And, and I, I've not ever almost died I'm not, I mean, that's kind of funny, but it's the truth. I, I, and so I just tell them, look for Jesus, you know what I mean? And he's the light, so maybe you will find a light. Come on, somebody. But like everybody thinks that. And then, and then maybe it's more simple than that because uh, maybe in this room, not a lot of people have ever had a near-death experience or anything like that. But, but here's, kind of, here's kind of what I think of is we say this all the time. There's only one more week till vacation. The light is at the end of the tunnel and it's close. And I'm looking for praise Jesus. Nobody else. Am I the only one that likes going on vacays? <laughs> All right, come on. Woo! <laughs> and then, and then if, I taught school for four years. And in August, when we started teacher work days, we would get the calendar out, and we would start the countdown for this break right now for two weeks because it was like, <gasps> I can take a breath. And my kids don't want to see me any more than I want to see my kids. Come on, somebody. And so I'm ready for a break. And then in the summertime, it's really when you get Pentecostal because you get to really get... You get to dancing because it's good, because the light at the end of the tunnel is there. And the truth is, no matter if people think God is crazy or if they absolutely worship God, everybody looks for something that is hope. I'll just use this because I already did. To wake up that wonder in our lives that we don't have to go through that mundane anymore and I can have some hope for something. And the truth is, your pastor often looks for the wrong light. I never don't worship Jesus and, and I, haven't, I haven't put God in a, in a box that I don't look at him and dust him off every once in a while. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the light that I look to for hope in the worst of circumstances. And the only way that that light can really shine in me and out of me, and he, by the way, he shines the light. It's not me that's shining his light. It's him shining his light through me. And the only way that that happens is when I want his light. When, when I'm looking for him, the author and the perfecter of my faith with the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now he's seated. This is my right hand, so this is your right hand of God. That, that's Jesus. And, and he's waiting on you to let him have all of you so that he can be the light. And I just think that the enemy's number one responsibility is to allow pride to seep into your life through all kinds of different shapes and forms. You're like, I don't think I'm awesome. That's not all pride is, y'all. Pride is this. Pride is I know I'm supposed to go and I'm still staying. That's pride. Pride takes all kinds of different masks and sheds things. And you're like, that dude is cocky. So he's prideful. And my, my pride shows up a little louder because when I'm sure of something, bless everybody in here that knows me, like, come on, somebody. But sometimes yours doesn't. And sometimes yours is insecurity. Insecurity is just pride reversed, believing that I'm not good enough for whatever thing. And that is the seed, I believe, of every single fruit that festers itself into something dark. Because that's Satan's tool. And so know this, know this, as we get started, the whole point is light today. The whole point in Christ's mass is light. 
or the lack thereof in this world and maybe in this room. And so I'm just asking you today, are you in the light? Are you in the light? So Christ Christmas, if, if today's your first day, the whole point of this series is to understand what Christmas really is. Because yes, a baby has been born in Bethlehem is what they declared. But what was that really about? And, and who, what is Christ? Was it Jesus' last name? No. No, thank you. One person knows that. And you live with me. That's awesome. I like you. I'll take you home again because of that. All right. But no, <laughs> Leah and everybody else, Christ was not Jesus' last name. Here's what Christ is. Christ literally means... On the screen, Christ literally means Christos, which is anointed one or to anoint. Anointed one or to anoint, to glory placed on him. And in the Hebrew, it means Messiah, which is where we get the word Messiah. The chosen one, the anointed one, the, the set apart one. And when, when David was called out, the one that wasn't supposed to be, when he was called out to be the king, the next king of Israel, Samuel anointed him with oil and set him apart as the Messiah for that day for Israel. And so that's what every one of you that are Christians, you are. You, that, that has been you. You have been set apart as God's instrument, declaring his workmanship. That's what Paul said. That's a really good word for somebody in here. That is your job. That is your role. That is your purpose in life. It's to be the anointed ones of Jesus and then declare it to the world. And some of y'all have never been to a church other than the one you grew up with. And so right now you're like, this dude has said the word anointed 10 times and I'm scared to death right now. Don't be scared. That's what the Bible says. So don't be scared. I promise. I don't have any oil, but if I did, I'm just kidding. But it's literally to anoint and that's what Christ has done in us. And then mas simply means misa, which means go. It means to be set on mission. And the purpose of the church is not the church. The purpose of the church and why Jesus brought it and said, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it is you to set it to his glory. It's the kingdom of God. You are not the point. Don't miss this. You were the vehicle that gets to the point. He is the point of everything. He is above all things. And so he's like, listen, I didn't start the church so I would do it. I left my Holy Spirit so you would do it. You're the light of the world because I put myself in you. Now that's good for somebody in here. So if we're all called to go, and, and if you're not a Christian in here, hang with me because this is for you and it's, it's going to be good, I promise. But, but if you're not, just stay with me. But the question is, then who should go, right? If, if this says Christ must and go and be on mission, then who should go? Who really is on mission? Who, who are the ones that should? And today, since it's almost Christmas, I wanted to do kind of a Christmas message and compare two different groups. I wanted to compare the highest of highs, the most important, the most extravagant people on the planet, the wise men, the magi, and then the dirty dogs, the ones that no one wanted to hang out with, the outcasts. They made the outcasts embarrassed, the shepherds. So the first of the shepherds, we're going to look at the shepherds first. Because they saw Jesus first. And because some of y'all in here feel like this. Some of y'all in here don't. You're like, I'm not that. Praise the Lord, right? I'm not one of them. But like in the she if you understand shepherds, Moses was a shepherd and we don't hear anything like lowly about Moses. We don't hear that he, he, was, he was one of Egypt's big time important people. Went back to Israel, was a shepherd for a little while. And, and that wasn't a lowly job. But sometime over history, shepherds went from the guys that kind of were that dude to guys that were that dude. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The people that... All right. So here's, here's, here's why. They would give you a test if you were Jewish. 
If you were one of God's people, they would give you a test and the highest of high, the best of the best became rabbis. They had memorized the Old Testament by 12 years old. I, let me repeat that because I don't know if it's going to sink in. They had memorized the Old Testament, all of it. There's 39 of them books. That's a lot. Does anyone else think so? To this point, those rabbis that were the best, the Pharisees and the high ups, the, the chief priests and all those guys, you could name a passage specifically and then ask them to quote it backwards and they could. <laughs> I've had people this week say, man, I wish I knew the Bible like you. And I just think if it's up to works, I don't know it like those cats. The ones that were questioning Jesus knew the scripture that well because they were the best. And so often what I think is I have to bring my lunch pail to Jesus because I better have a lot that I know. I am not down on education. I think we should celebrate education every time you open your English Bible. Every time you open your English Bible, it's a celebration of higher education because Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew is what it's written in. And when it gets translated, someone really smart translated it. So we should celebrate high education, but it's not what makes me right. And so often we think that my intelligence or my light thereof is what keeps me or what causes me the light and the wonder. Nope, that's not it. It's a wonderful tool, but that's not it. And these shepherds were literally the opposite extreme. They would have scored the worst on the test. They, would, they, they were who we would call dumb, and I'm not trying to be ugly. It's just the truth. And they were the ones that their family didn't even want to talk to. They were the ones that didn't have shoes because they couldn't afford it. In between their toes would have been sheep dung, and they never bathed, and, and they had beards down to here. And they hadn't bathed their beards either. Come on, somebody. That would be gross, right? They had animals living in them. And they knew that they were outcasts. Does anybody understand what that's like? You're the person that at the lunch table, no one ever wanted to sit with you because you were a little bit odd. I just find it fascinating that that group was the first group that, that the angels came to to declare Jesus. And so often, they're the ones that we never want to speak to. They're the ones that aren't quite good enough for us to talk to. So the shepherds are the first group, and some of us feel like that in here. And here's what Luke says. Dr. Luke talk, told us about these shepherds and said in Luke chapter 2 verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And if you ever watched the peanuts growing up, y'all know this story, right? Linus is up here and I got my blankie and I'm, I'm declaring it. I need the, the light that Shannon had so I can, and the glory of the Lord right then is when you need it. But listen, it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and everybody say glory. glory. You guys say, let this glory. glory. It says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, we read this and we go, that's so sweet. Right? That's cute. Nope. <laughs> it's not. It's crazy. Listen, if the glory of God starts shining around you, I'm going to try to make this as appropriate as possible. At the very best, there's cleanup on aisle three. Does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> get the towels out. Get the towels out. I just did one and two all around me. Come on now. Because it would scare us to death because these angels were not just some old cat like me. They were warriors and they were messengers from God, but the messengers from God were not men. The death angel in Exodus, one death angel, killed a bajillion people in Egypt, the firstborn sons, one, same angels. So when this dude comes, you're not like, what's up? And the angel came. And in the glory of God, that's a light. And it's brilliant. And it shines down. And we don't go, sweet, that's crazy. All right, let's keep doing what we're doing. It stops you in your tracks. When Paul saw the glory of the Lord shine down, he was still Saul of Tarsus. 
I never get that right because it sounds like I got a lisp somebody. <laughs> but he was salt and he was walking down the road to Damascus and a bright light shined down on him. And he was like, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus that you're persecuting. This is the equivalent of ISIS walking down a road. But the glory of God shining on them changed. I'm about to get going, so y'all better stay with me. What person in this world do we think is too low that the glory of God can't change them? And if he left his glory in you, then who are we not reaching because we think they're unreachable? Come on, somebody. Is anybody too far from God? The answer is no. But the miracle depends on you. The miracle depends on you. The miracle is up to whether or not you will let the glory of God that is shown on you if you're a Christian to shine out of you because it's not your job to shine it, but it's your job to let it out. Whew, that's good preaching. I don't know if anybody else is here today. And they were filled with fear. And I'm just going to say this and then I'm going to move on. If you're not a little bit oh, struck by God, I'm just going to tell you, I wouldn't plan on saying it, but I'm going to tell you this. I was driving uh, to our Christmas party yesterday with the staff, and I was on 85, and there were everybody in Spartanburg and Greenville County were on the interstate with us. Goodness gracious. And Lee and I um, had been frustrated with a couple things during the day, and I was feeling sorry for myself. I'm really good at that. That's my spiritual gift. And so I was driving down the road. We weren't really talking a lot. And if I'm not talking, something's wrong. Can I just tell you all something? Phew, someone, at least one person said, yep. And I was just thinking, and that's, that I, typically if I'm driving down the road by myself, I'm praying. And so people are like, that dude's talking to himself. Something's wrong. And here's what, it's like God exploded something in me in that moment. Bro, that's how God talks to me. Bro, do you still think this is about you? You still think you got to not be a shepherd and, and be good enough and be a little bit better and not have a bad day? I said this way was hard. I wasn't kidding. And by the way, every time you step toward the light, the darkness tries to grab on a little bit harder. And so it gets a little bit tougher every single step of the way. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody. And I'm not worried about that. The devil is under my feet because I am in Christ. And what's above my head is under the feet of Jesus. And so I just declared right there. I looked at Leah and, mm, and I just thought to myself, how great is God that he would love me enough to end my stupidity give me a word while I'm driving down the interstate when I have been a jerk to a couple people in my life and I've been short with them and I've thought things that I shouldn't said things that I shouldn't how great is our God and it's never been about me and it's never been about my goodness it's always been about how good he is and for some reason, God chose to wake up the wonder in this guy last night. But it wasn't something that I did. It was something that he had already done in me. And he just reminded me of how good he really is. If God doesn't remind you of that, and there's not a great reverent fear about you, I don't know if you know the same God that I know. Because there's got to be moments where he wakes you up and talks to you and walks with you. And it is hard. It's lonely. It's frustrating. It's dark. It's cold. Right now it's not. I'm sweating, but it's cold. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Verse 10. And this is what the angel said to them. They said, listen, don't be afraid because I'm bringing you good news. You know what the good news is? That you don't have to come with your good stuff that I came because I loved you first. And you just have to accept me 
and let me be the life and the light in you. You don't have to keep going. You don't have to keep doing it. And if this week you made a mess of everything, if you have wrecked your entire life and you're embarrassed to tell people what you've done, I've got good news with great joy, which shall be to some of the people. Is that what it says? All people. All those outcasts and all those rich and all those in between and all those people that we think are amazing. The gospel is that big and the gospel is that big for the terrorists that we want to kill tomorrow. The gospel is that big and the gospel is that big because it's for all people. Because unto us this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a savior who is, who is it? The anointed one. As soon as they heard that, they didn't go, I wonder if that's Jesus' last name. They said, that's the one. That's the one. That's the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find that baby, that anointed one wrapped in clothes that are swaddled up and lying in a manger. And suddenly, and if the first time the angel came, you didn't have a little issue, this would have caused a big issue. <laughs> because a host was not five. I, I told the first service this, I, I would love to have been there to see this. Because if the glory of God shone around them in one, I wonder what the glory of God shone around them in this moment. I bet the entire sky illuminated. I just wonder who could see it. I bet only the shepherds could see it. You know why? Because only the shepherds were looking for it. If you're not looking for the light, you'll never find it. It doesn't matter how bright the light is. You'll find the darkness if that's what you want. But I believe that it would have been blinding and amazing. And when you see the light, the only thing I believe the shepherds could do is this. Because how can you stand in the presence of Almighty God and His angels and His glory shining around them? But I bet people could have been walking down the street right beside them and missed it because they're looking for something else. That's good right there. And suddenly there was a, the angels, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. He's the one that deserves all of it. And on earth, peace with whom He is pleased. And this is what 15 says. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said, let's just chill out and stay here. We'll just keep it to ourselves. It's all good, right? Is that what they said? No, no they said, let's go. I want to go see this Jesus. If we got to see this, then the person of Jesus has to be even better. Let's go see him. And they went over to Bethlehem to see the thing that, that had happened, which the Lord had made known to us. I got good news for everybody in the room. God has made himself known to you through his word through preaching, through worship, through prayer, through your friends. God has made himself known to you through the person of the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're a Christian. And that's good news. And we can't stay here. We got to go. Verse 16. And they went with haste. How did they go? Did they go slow? No. Did they go slow? No. They went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, when they saw the glory of God surrounding it, they made known they made it known they were the outcasts. Nobody wanted to be around these people. But they didn't care anymore because the glory of God had come all over them and they made it known. All that had been told to them concerning this child. And the wonder was woken. That, that experience with Jesus wakes up the wonder in your life and so often I let the darkness creep in in this world and all the things in my life creep in. But everybody around them wondered or marveled is what other translations says at what had taken place. And I wonder, not, not that kind of wonder, but I, I'm wondering, has the wonder been woken up in you? 
I promise you this, the moment that someone radically and fully meets Jesus. It's not something you've done, but it's what he's done in you by trusting Christ as your savior and in him alone by grace he saves you. The wonder is woken and everybody around you says there's something different about that girl. There's something different about that dude. I want what you got and I'll take two. Come on somebody, I'll take it takes two to make things go right. I want some of that right now because Jesus is the one that saves everything and changes everything, but so often this is it. I just want some of Jesus. I really think this is the point. So many of us have been compelled by a message or compelled by reading or a song or whatever it is. And we say, I want that Jesus. And then we just want part of him to have part of us. That doesn't wake any wonder up. That's just to get out of hell free card. This is what changes everything. The light, I'm seeking it. I find it. And it changes it all. And so this is what I want you to know about the shepherds. They were the worst, the lowest. And they said, they, they saw the glory of God through the angels. And they said, we're not going to receive this good news and stay. Let's go. And they went with haste. And they found what they were looking for in the person of Jesus. They found favor. They found grace. And then this is the other group, the Magi, the wise men. These guys were not the lowest of low. These guys were the, it, I think today the best way to picture it is the sheiks, right? The guys, the big oil tycoons that have the nice clothes and they live in that high rise building, the tallest one. In, in all of Dubai, and they own the little islands that are the, the shape of different countries. And, and they're the dudes that have the entourage that has an entourage. Y'all with me? They, they, everybody wants to be friends with these guys because at least I never have to buy gas again. Come on, somebody. They own everything and then the, they own everything that owns everything. And so I just find this interesting. No matter how much they had, they wondered what it was that life really was about and how they could have peace and hope and joy. And no money could buy them this and they sought after the true hope. And they didn't even have a scripture that would have given them this word. But they still knew enough to know that they need something. People ask me all the time, how, how can God be so hateful that he sends people to hell? I promise you this, every person inside of their being, and this is what the Bible says, just through the creation, wonders at who God really is and he's there for them at all times and it's our job to be Christ's moss and bring it to him come on somebody that's our job to be his word and to be his lamp because he has called us to be that so this is what happens in Matthew he tells us about the Magi Jesus was about 18 months old at the time it says now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod they went from Bethlehem which is right beside right beside uh, Jerusalem and they came down straight down from the east came to Jerusalem first and then they came to find Jesus saying where is he who has been born the king of the Jews and so probably around Iran somewhere in that region is where these guys are coming from and now if you could take a plane it wouldn't take that long to get there if you could take a car it wouldn't be too bad but if you got camels and an entourage this is bad news okay this is gonna take a while and then there wasn't a map there was a star and God waited for the perfect time for them to get there for we saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. And they're declaring this to anyone that wants to hear it. And these are the sheiks, the big important people. It's crazy. And I just think this is interesting. We're go you're going to find what you're looking for. Because these guys were looking for the king and they came to worship him. And this is what I wonder. I'm, I'm serious. I, I wonder this and I wrote it down in my notes. If the star was there for them to see, how could everybody else not see the star? 
Are y'all with me? They had to see it. And it was like, man, that's a big star. But I think it shined a little different for them. I, I think it was the same star. Certainly the people had to see it because people, scientists can give you an idea of what they think the star was and three stars or one planet or something lined up and all this stuff. But, but maybe it was a little bit different and it shone a little bit brighter and it shined down a little bit different because the glory of God was falling down on them. And I just wonder this. I, I wonder if it's because they didn't really care to find the light. I wonder if it's because they were cool with wherever they were in their life and they just were going to do their thing and God didn't need to have the entire puzzle. He could have this little piece. Continuing, they came to worship him. It says when Herod the king heard this, Herod was that dude. He, he had absolute power in Israel. And he was, an, he was an amazingly, he was evil, but he was an amazing man. Very, 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 very powerful this Herod was. 13, 13 houses. 13, that's a lot. No one else, everybody's like, that's no big deal. This is all MTV Cribs. Y'all remember that back in the day? All of them were that. These are crazy. This Herod was so powerful that he looked at a mountain and said, nope, that's not good enough. Cut it down and build it up more because I want to be able to see in Jerusalem Mount Herodian. If anybody's ever heard that, you can see it from the Mount of Olives straight over there. So when Jesus said, if you have faith with mustard seed, you can look at that mountain and say, be removed. He was talking about Herod and what he did. He said, you'll do greater things than him. So I just messed some of y'all's theology all up. But this dude was that dude. He, he moved whole mountains so that he could have a better house, so that he could see in Jerusalem. He built it up 90 more feet. That's a lot. They didn't have bulldozers. Y'all with me? They had people dozers. I don't even know if that's a word, but y'all go with it. And when that dude, when the one that could move whole mountains heard this, he was mad. And he got everybody together, the chief priests and the scribes and everybody, and he's like, I want to know. What's up with this Christ who's being born? Because he is, he is coming against me. I'm that dude and he wants to be that dude and so I want to know about it. Verse 5. And they told him he's going to Bethlehem of Judea. For it's written by the prophets. You, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least as, as it was accustomed to believe that Bethlehem was no big deal among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will, what's this word? Interesting. The lowest of low, his people. And then Herod summoned those guys, the Magi, because he, he had heard through the grapevine that they wanted to know who this Jesus was and they were trying to find out information. Who is this Christ that's going to be born and has already been born? The, the men secretly and ascertained them. What time did the star start shining and tell me about this dude and how old is he and let me get my defenses together so I can know. Tell me about when this thing appeared and he sent them, y'all don't miss this, to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. So many of us hear something from someone and say, oh, they're good. Because if they had not had discernment from the Lord in this moment, they would have thought, Herod wants to worship him. He's awesome. This is great. And, and listen, many times discernment can't come from my brain because, because I, am a sinner, I am a sinful man every day and if I'm, if I'm hoping that my discernment or my ability to decide between two things is good enough, I'm going to fall on my face. Is anybody else falling on their face before? Every single day. But the Holy Spirit of God gives you something 
And sometimes it's not this, no, thus says the Lord. It's just you just know this is the wrong cat. And can I tell you why? Because just because something appears to be light does not necessarily mean that it's light. His goal is for you to hide your light and then to leave the light and then to wonder where is the light, not, not wake up the wonder that is the light. That's good. Because that's who Jesus is in us. And the enemy wants to do anything to destroy you and to keep you from a right relationship with him. And so he appears as a coy lion in the weeds. He's all right. He's not really that scary. He's not really that bad. He's out to destroy everything about me because I am Christ Moss. And he wants no part of that. Verse 9. And after listening to Herod, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Can you imagine being there and seeing that? And when they saw the star, they were sad. Man, our journey's ended, right? They rejoiced with great joy. Just like the shepherds were full of joy. They rejoiced with great joy. Why? Because they found what they were looking for in the person of Jesus Christ. The light was beaming down. The glory of God was shining around them in this 18-month-old little boy that everybody else passed and said, that's just Joseph's boy. It's no big deal. It was Jesus. It was the Christ that had come to save the world that would accept him. And they were filled with this great joy. Here's the thing that I want y'all to know, and maybe if you don't leave with anything else, you can leave with this. You're going to find what you're looking for. And when you find what you're looking for in the person of Jesus, you absolutely find joy and peace. And it's not easy. Some days are really hard and lonely. But you have a friend that sticks with you that's closer than a brother or closer than a sister, and it's the person of Jesus Christ who left his spirit in us. God with us, Emmanuel. That's peace and joy that no one can understand. And for some of you sitting in here because you're clinging so hard to the darkness, my words are just ludicrous and crazy in your, in your ears right now. Because as you process it, you're thinking, this dude just yells some and he's crazy and he's big and he's got big lips so he spits and I don't know about what he's saying. And that's okay. Because I don't want you to know me. I want you to know Jesus and I want you to know joy. And here's how the story continues, what Jesus does for us in going into the house they saw the child. Can you see him playing, just little bitty boy? I don't think Jesus needed diapers because he was doing his thing. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. He was potty trained at one. That's annoying for anybody in here who has children. And his mother, God, I love this so much, man. I mean, this, this is what people full of pride don't do. How were they not full of pride? They were the magi. They were the sheiks, man. They were the, they were the dudes. And they fell down. They didn't worship him like this. Thank you, Jesus. This is awkward. These people around me are worshiping out loud and weird. And they're, they're about to dance. And they're weird, man. I don't know about all this. They, they didn't care anymore. They fell down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasures up. And none of us brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh today. If you did, we'll take it. But it's weird, right? <laughs> but they had representation of something huge. And I don't know that there were three of them. I know there were three gifts. I believe it could have been an entourage that stirred up all of Jerusalem and they went those five miles 
to go see them, it would have stirred up everywhere and everybody would have known. They're here to see something other than just a king. This is the Savior, Christ the King. And they brought in stuff that would have changed the environment and the gift of glory, the gift that is the most recognized gift that you give for someone in royalty, gold. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, James 4. Humble yourself before God and He will exalt you. I think we, we, we read James 4 and we say, if I do enough for God, He will exalt you. No. He's looking for people that will worship Him in spirit and in truth and simply say, I love you back. It's not what I do that justifies me or makes me right. It's what He already did by Emmanuel coming to us and living among us verse 14 of John 1 that he became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory through the person of Jesus I just think maybe this is the problem that we haven't humbled ourselves before God when it comes to worship they fell at their feet and they gave extravagantly this isn't a ploy if you don't want to give I'm asking you not to but I'm telling you this, if we would ever ask God, what should we do? I would have to quote 2 Corinthians 8, what Paul said to the church of Macedonia. That's enough. That's enough. Don't, don't give any more. I'm waiting on that day. Come on, somebody. But I swear to you, and if y'all want to believe me, you can. And if you don't, that's okay. I don't want your money for this church, for our benefit. As God is my witness, we don't need your money. You need to be obedient and watch God work. And this is just sowing seed and watching God do even more, believing God for something in 2016. When we baptize two more people, it'll be 45 for the year and we are celebrating that and that is awesome. And we're just believing God's gonna double that next year. And that's what we're sowing into. And, and, and what we get to give back to this community and how we get to love them and how we get to be the light, that's what we're sowing into. Not for better toys. God will provide those. That's cool. But it's to see God work and to see God be bigger. And so I'm asking you honestly pray, what would God have me do as an act of worship? What would God have me do? And so to go. Just pray. And if he tells you nothing, that's cool. I don't know, but that's cool. Here we go. This is how the story ends. The story ends with understanding that shepherds were the lowest of low. They were ignorant. No one wanted to be around them. And they desperately needed Jesus and the Magi were the best of the best, the highest, the sheiks, the guys that ever wish they could be friends with. They were the honored ones and they desperately needed Jesus. Matthew chapter 2 verse 12 says, and those Magi were warned in a dream not to return to Herod and they departed to their own country. Everybody say another way. Another way. Man, there's roads all around us and, and we see these things in our lives and it seems right, but Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12 says there's a way that seems right to a man. But I want you to take another way because in that end, that way leads to death. And that death is not my heart beats for the last time. That death is an eternal separation from God forever and ever. I believe he wants to give you life today and every single day through Jesus with peace and hope, but it is also, and maybe more importantly, because this is eternity, 
the road that leads to destruction and death. It seems right. Herod's road looked right. But God said, no, that's not it. That way seems right to a man because this king is going to honor you. But every king can honor you and you can end up in death and it's not enough and you'll never be full of joy. Monday I got to eat with, um, eat lunch with a pastor um, who has a big following. If I told you his name, he's everybody um, that follows church would probably know who he is. And this is what he said to end our time. Four hours we spent with him is great time. And this is what he said. If significance and success is what you chase, it is an endless appetite and your anger that you think is alive today will increase times what you cannot calculate. And I was just blown away. I was like, dude, you have so much significance. He averages half a million podcast downloads every week and that's only about 495,990 more than me. So I mean, I feel like we're on the same page, right? And he says, no, man, it's not about that. It's about one thing. Everything good comes from God. Because there's a way that seems good and it ends in death. And everybody in this room, and you're allowed to lie, it's just going to be wrong. (laughs) Everybody in here has wanted that. We've wanted our name in lights. We've wanted to be known. Or we've at least wanted uber success. Because there's a way that seems right to people but in the end, it leads to death. And this is what Jesus said in the most famous sermon ever written. Enter by the narrow gate, Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow way. For the gate is wide and the way. I am the way, the truth, and life. And no one can come to the Father except through me, is what Jesus said. The way that is wide that leads to destruction. It looks good. It seems right. It leads to destruction. And those who enter it are most people. That's why you're Christ's mass and that's why it matters because he's waiting on you. The miracle depends on you. Everybody that's on the narrow road. But the other gate is narrow and the way is hard. This does not say life is tiptoeing through the tulips easy. It's not always fun, it's hard. And those who find it are few. But this road leads to what? Death? It leads to life and hope and peace. And my burden for this place is not this, these walls or better toys. It's for the dark world that we live in that, that need the light. And some of them are you. Because today there's a way that seemed right to you. And when you came in here, it was cool and you were going to try it out. But the truth is, you're on the road that leads to destruction because many are finding it. And this is how you know if there's no peace in your life and if the wonder can't be woken, then it is dead. Jesus said in John 8, I'm the light of the world. But in John 1, people do not recognize that light is what verse 4 says. He is the light and he's waiting to illuminate your life. And this is what it depends on. You. Not saying, Jesus, I, I want part of you. I'm ready to walk on that narrow road that's full of thorns and bushes and the signs down and it's hard to see sometimes and it looks rough and I get cut up a little bit when I go through it and I'm not sure about this. I don't care what church background you have. I don't care how much you know. This is only what road are you going toward and is it the light 
or is it the way that seems right? That's it. That's all that salvation is, Jesus. I want you to be my master and my Lord. And I declare at the top of my lungs that that I need you above all other things, including my breath and my next drink of water, whatever it is, I need you more. And if you choose to say, I don't want that, there will be many that follow you and all of you will be going to destruction. But here's the great news. Some of you walked in here on the way to hell and you're going to walk out on the way to heaven. You walked in here without peace and he's going to wake up the wonder in your life and give you his glory and his hope. And this is all I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to count, or on the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to throw your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you the goal is not to embarrass you. But if you want to wake up the wonder in the person of Jesus Christ, you're not worried about embarrassment. You'll do whatever it takes to reach that light. You'll leave your country and go find that light. You'll leave your post and go find that light. Well, this light is for you. And right now is your moment. And if you don't want it, it's not on me. It's on you and Jesus. So on the count of three, whoever it is, and I know God is speaking directly into you, you feel that lump in your throat. Whoever it is right now, I just want you to declare it. Pastor, that's me right now. One, two, three, throw your hand up. Someone else, who else? Throw your hand up right now. Throw your hand up right now. Come on, somebody. Throw your hand up just as high as you can. Keep it up. If that's you, I want you to keep your hand up right now. The only thing we're going to do is slip a card in your hand. But I want you to just throw your hand up right here and say, Pastor, I need to wake up the wonder. I need to wake up the wonder. Listen, here's what I want to know. Here's what I want to know. Maybe I'm the only one because I'm about to start dancing. Is anybody excited that two people just said, I want to wake the wonder up? Come on. Come on. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. Praise the Lord. Hey, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. I'm speaking to Christians and I'm speaking to the two new brothers and sisters that we have right now. I know some people feel like orphans and that they don't have a family. Listen to this. I'm your family. I got a blood transfusion when I was 17. And it wasn't one at a hospital. It was one laying on the ground at Marshall University on the 14th floor of the East Tower because I came to the realization that my pride was what was really the God of my life. And I needed the person of Jesus to save me. And in that moment, God took what was a heart of stone and made it a heart of flesh. And I got a blood transfusion through Jesus. And all that salvation is, is that Jesus, I, I was always the God of my universe. And today you're the God of my universe. And if, if that's you and you've trusted Jesus ever, or today is your one day, and you said, Jesus, I need you. Then we're brothers and sisters in the faith, man. And it's awesome. And this is the last slide. Every one of us that that's you. Every one of us that that's you. This is what I want you to know. The narrow road is not an option. Listen, it's not an option. We on go. To reach the least lost and lonely, we're on go. This is not, please, this week, I'm not begging you. I'm not begging you. If I, if I need to beg you, then you've missed the whole point. I read this week that 2% of churchgoers. Two, listen, 2% 2 of people that actively attend church invite other people. Let's wake up to wonder. Am I the only one? Let's wake it up. I, I, listen, I'm not enough. 
Jesus didn't call me to be everything to everybody and to, and to get them all to come. Yes, I'm the pastor. That's awesome. But, but it's just a dude. Just like y'all are men and women of God that he's waiting to wake the wonder up. You are Christ's mass. You. Not just me. There's nothing. We are equal in the eyes of God. And he's waiting on us to say that waitress and that neighbor and that woman that's dirty. Last night, she slept with three guys and got paid to do it. She needs it. And that rich dude up in his office is desperate and thinking about suicide. He needs it. Everybody needs it. They don't find it unless we get the light and shine it. It's not your job to be the light. He's the light. He just wants you to open up and say, shine out of me. Wake up the wonder. You are Christ's mass. Ready, set. Come on. Come on. You are Christ's mass. Ready, set. Listen, we're going to sing right now, and this is what I want y'all to do. Stop worrying about what everybody else thinks, and at the top of your lungs, declare the truth of this beautiful song. You are Christ's mass. Let's go.